Ready, set, go! Hey guys, welcome back to the EV Diaries. This is a podcast where I investigate the potential of electric vehicles in small town America. I am Ben. I am a distribution engineer for an electric cooperative in southeastern Kentucky. For the record, and I don't say this enough, the opinions that I express here are mine and no way reflect the thoughts of any association, organization, or group that I might be tied to. So after my North Dakota episode, I got an email from Barry, who lives in California. Now, Barry has been a longtime listener. In fact, he was the first person to send me an email related to my podcast. He is a VW e-golf owner. He has really helped in his own way shape the podcast. Uh, We've exchanged several emails and he really knows his stuff. I definitely appreciate the input that he has provided and I've really benefited from our correspondence. He made some interesting points on North Dakota, uh, especially, you know, elaborating on their, their wind he provided me some stats that uh, were updated from the stats I had. Apparently, the renewable part of the portfolio in North Dakota is about one-third. Uh, well, the one-third of the power portfolio in North Dakota is renewable. Um, and he also mentioned that they have enough wind that once storage becomes widely available... Uh, they could possibly displace their coal. But the subject line of his email to me is what really stuck out to me, and it was, and I'm quoting, baseload paradigm shift. And if you remember in, in the last episode, which was the North Dakota episode, I was talking about how wind was messing with the coal-fired power plant's baseload. I don't know that I explained it that well, but I'm not going to rehash it here since it was fresh. Essentially, Barry it suggested to me that the base load at the coal-fired power plant would eventually go the way of the dinosaur, pun intended. And I've thought about this ideal all weekend. There's really a valid point to this, and it uh, it really got me to to thinking about the way we have approach energy in this country, and I've just come to the conclusion I'm cynical. <laughs> I'm cynical about a lot of things, but but let me explain. Um, the whole EV revolution reminds me of who moved my cheese, because I'm seeing articles all the time about how many industries would be disrupted by EVs. How many jobs would go away? And, of course, I'm thinking with disruption, uh, isn't there opportunities for new jobs, different types of jobs? But the problem is, human beings being human beings, we don't like change. You know, you can't really talk EVs without talking about power generation, which is just a hot-button topic anyway, especially when you throw, throw it in the discussion of climate change. I have to say that big coal and big oil 
are looking at disruptions because the power portfolio is changing. And I've seen it firsthand in Kentucky. Used to, when I was growing up, you know, half the people in southeastern Kentucky work the coal mines. Now, there's very few people that I know that work the coal mines anymore. We have people that drive where I live, which is London, to Georgetown, which is about an hour and a half away, just to work for Toyota. We have a an area that was dependent on coal, and those coal jobs have transitioned away, and it's caused people to have to migrate or commute to find other work. But that's life. That's how it works. Things change. You adapt and overcome. Renewables are here to stay. And as the technology improves and we get widespread storage, a greater percentage of our power portfolio, the power generation, is going to be renewables. But here I would like to contrast the difference between Kentucky and North Dakota. We talked about, you know, the terrain, how far apart things were, how different the weather was. Well, it's really a vast difference for our possible renewable portfolio. In Kentucky, you can't depend on the sun. Uh, it only is sunny half the time. We're right there in that Gulf Stream where, where we get winds and moisture coming up through the Gulf of Mexico, and it just curves right along with the jet stream right over top of us. So we got clouds. In the summer, we have thunderstorms. Um, it's very rare to get a full sunny day. I'm sure that the statistics are out there, but I guarantee that, that we only get at best 60% of the days that would be beneficial for generating electricity through solar. Wind is not a viable option in Kentucky. I've seen several studies over the past couple of years that identifies the top of Black Mountain as the only place that wind would be viable, and it's right smack dab in the middle of a national forest. We won't even talk about how hard it is to get right away for utilities in a national forest. For now, in Kentucky, fossil fuels are what we've got. That's, that's the only thing keeping us from sitting in the dark. We do have a handful of solar installations. We've got some community solar up in Winchester, and there's, there's a few um, large-scale projects like that popping up, but mostly it's just net metering customers that have stuck an array next to their house, and they're just trying to offset their bill. But even that, that's not my point. I said I was cynical, and I'm one of these people, when somebody tells me something, I won't take it for face value. I'm the guy that if you tell me the fence is electric, I have to go walk over and touch it before I believe you. What I find is the lobby with the most money usually controls the argument until they don't. I see it with energy. I see it with pharmaceuticals. I've seen it with everything that... If it's got a committee that's setting policy or a protocol or recommendations, somewhere behind it, there's some money, and they're the ones controlling the narrative. But this is a world of duality, which just helps confuse everyone. I mean, really, you have people on both sides ready to make money, and you've got this study that proves this one thing, 
and it sounds good, but then here's this other group that's got this study to prove another thing. And it's, it's just confusing. It really is. It's like um, all the uh, articles, and I've highlighted some of them, saying that EVs were dirtier than diesel because of the mining process. Of course, everything I've ever heard is the mining process might be a little dirty, but by the time you get the EV and it lives out its life, that it's overall cleaner and a third. I tell you what, a third comes up when it comes to EVs. Everything's a third. But anyway, it's a third cleaner than operating a diesel vehicle. So who's behind those stories? I guarantee if you follow the money, you've got a pro-oil group saying that EVs are dirty. But then on the other hand, people that are trying to promote EVs are promoting how clean they are. And like I've said many times before, there's a truth in the middle. And you got to follow the money. Even I've, I've been reading this book called The Cholesterol Myth uh, because my doctor wants me to be taking statins for my cholesterol. Well, if you look at all the markers of my cholesterol, eh, a little bit elevated. Um, not enough for me to be on medication, I don't believe, which I was reading this book, just curious about the cholesterol. And you've got studies that say exact opposite of things that you've heard all your life about fat and cholesterol. Actually, it's sugar that's killing all of us, and I do believe that. Fat and cholesterol doesn't have a lobby. If you look at the data, sugar's involved in all sorts of diseases, but they have a pretty healthy lobby, so you don't get too many uh, negative things about sugar. And what has resulted is that we get a loaf of bread full of high fructose corn syrup, and we've got a $30 billion a year statin industry, pharmaceuticals. But there's data out there that proves the other side of it, so it's one of those which is it. And I'm, I'm not going to get off on a tangent even further than we have here. But we have EVs in the middle of oil, coal, and renewables. The fact that they are bickering and they're against each other is delaying progress. These factions have a lot of money and they can argue back and forth. And all that is going to do is delay EVs taking over the marketplace in America. The good thing is that we can control our own destiny and buy the vehicles that we want now that they're becoming available. So that's going to change the narrative. And to be honest, if the naysayers were to be believed, it's never going to happen. But I do believe that EVs are going to surpass internal combustion engines and will become the norm instead of the exception. Getting back to Barry's point, and um, I think my cynicism has shown its its ugly head, but getting back to, to Barry's point, I agree that there has got to be a paradigm shift. There has to be a shift because we can't keep doing what we're doing. The positive side of all of this is that technology is improving, and with the younger generation, they're demanding change. They're the ones that are wanting EVs. They are wanting renewables. Now, if we can provide them solutions without too many unintended consequences, because a lot of times when you get what you want, 
it doesn't exactly work out the way you had planned. But that's all right. There's a lot of smart people working on this, and, and I'm sure that the human race will figure it out. But there again, that's, um, that's cynical optimism. I wonder if that's a thing. Um, oh, on another note, uh, speaking of paradigm shifts, well, I've been talking about how my mini is ailing. Well, I called Friday and made arrangements to drop it off Monday morning to have the clutch replaced because I just really could not, um, I didn't think I could hang on to it long enough before I get my EV, before the clutch went out. So I've decided to go ahead and get the clutch fixed because I probably won't get rid of my Mini even after I replace it. So I was made the arrangements Friday. I came home from work, my wife and I, uh, we're heading up to Cincinnati to see my daughter and we got about a half mile up the road and guess what her car the transmission went out of it so now I'm facing that I've got two in the shop wound up having to have it towed into Nissan and in the discussions we, we did um, take my my son's Jeep on to Cincinnati to visit my daughter and as we were talking um, we were trying to figure out, okay, you know, we've got two in the shop. What's the next move? Um, I've always operated late model used cars that I could pay off quickly. And I've mentioned that several times. Of course, now my wife wants a Tesla. So it seems like I may need a paradigm shift myself. Uh, but you know, Hey, that's cool because I had a paradigm shift going from EVs have no place in small town America to saying, hey, if you're not operating an EV in small town America, you're really missing out. Getting back to EVs, new technology is always disruptive, but human beings have always adapted and overcame. Uh, it's sort of like uh, the movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy. Uh, and if you haven't seen that movie, it was in 1980 and basically... Um, uh, African tribesmen found a Coke bottle that had been thrown out of an airplane. And long story short, he took it back to his village, and they've never seen anything like that. They, they didn't have glass. And they were finding all sorts of uses for the Coke bottle. One of the things, and the quotes in the movie, and it's not a direct quote, but it was basically this one thing that they never had before they couldn't live without. And I think that's the way we are with a lot of technology that we have now. I couldn't imagine a world without computers. I couldn't imagine a world without cell phones, even though I experienced both. And at this point, I just can't imagine a world without EVs. But, yeah, it's time that we start looking at things a little differently. And, uh, like I said, it reminds me of... Who moved my cheese? Well, it's time to go find some new cheese. Oh, by the way, GM announced yesterday, you know, you know me and, me and GM, um, they're actually going to have an electric pickup in the market late 2021, to which I just want to look at them and say, you know, pick a side. Actually, it's funny because Ford's been trying to get the F-150 to market for a couple of years now, saying it was coming. And Chevy, if they can get late 2021, 
that's the new projected date for Ford. So Chevy could actually beat Ford to market on this one. Thanks for listening. Be sure to click that subscribe button. The EV revolution is here. It's going to be a fun ride.